0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. We are here to preview the Louisville game, big game on the schedule for Miami. We'll get into it here in a little bit. But first, Gabby, we got to get into some recruiting talk, Um, both discussing a commitment the Hurricanes picked up on Wednesday night and kind of telling people who is expected to show up on Saturday for the game, uh, which recruits are expected to be there. So let's start with the latest pledge that Miami picked up on Wednesday night. Interestingly, it is a former Louisville commit. He flipped from Louisville to Miami. Tell us about this young man.
2: Yeah, uh, Miami picked up a commitment from Cole McConathy, uh, six foot 6'5", 235-pound edge rusher. Uh, again, like David said, out of the state of Alabama. Currently leads the state of Alabama with 19 sacks on the season. So having an, an awesome, awesome senior season, uh, has also picked up 30 tackles for loss. Uh, he's deflected five passes at the line of scrimmage, and uh, he's also blocked three field goals on special teams. So, you know, this is a guy uh you know that Miami identified a little bit earlier in the fall uh there's actually a very interesting connection and in just how that happened uh Philip Rivers is actually uh that like the Philip Rivers like the former Chargers quarterback Philip Rivers is currently a high school coach in the state of Alabama uh you know Cole McConathy told me basically that Philip Rivers or against Philip Rivers's team he had a really good game Philip Rivers picks up the phone and calls Todd Stroud who uh you know the former Miami defensive line coach who's now a senior advisor on Mario Cristobal's staff uh Todd Stroud and Philip Rivers crossed paths at NC State back in the day. That's where Philip Rivers went to college, and Todd Stroud spent eight years there on staff. And Philip Rivers basically, you know, kind of told Stroud like, "Hey, you need to take a look at this." You know, Cole McConathy over here. At Spanish Fort, uh Miami did. They liked what they saw and they started to recruit him. I believe they offered in sometime in September. I'm not exactly sure what date it was, but from my understanding, it was sometime in September. Uh they got him down on campus for an unofficial visit uh for that Virginia overtime win and uh were able to close here, you know, just out right before Miami actually hosts Virginia, uh hosts Louisville, uh, you know, well, here on Saturday. So uh it's a big pickup. There are plenty of Fans in the building of, of Cole McConaughey and just what he brings as an edge rusher with with definitely has a motor. Uh, a guy that the twenty four seven Sports rankings team currently has an eighty five rating on. I expect that to rise, and they're going to get a you know the evaluation teams going to get going to get in person exposure at the Alabama Mississippi All Star game uh, later this year. And Cole McConaughey is an early enrollee. So he'll be on campus in January, uh, took official visits to Missouri uh, before committing to Louisville. Both of those schools do an excellent job of just rushing the passer and generating pressure. So it's not much of a surprise that both of those schools wanted him and uh, that Miami kind of found a way to get it done. So again, a lot of people inside the building are, are pumped about this win on the recruiting trail, and what a uh, Cole McConaughey uh, could potentially develop into down the line.
1: Yeah, I think it's a nice pickup. He, to me, he's a, he's a depth piece, and I don't say that as a, as a bad thing because, you know, look, we all see, you know, most defensive linemen, lo- most defensive lines in college want to rotate players. I think we see how this Mario Cristobal regime wants to rotate three deep D linemen, ideally. And so you need a lot of players to get that done, and I think he's good enough to earn a role eventually in that regard. And look, I like, too, how, you know, even if he is a depth guy, He is 6'5", 230 now, probably has the body type to get to, what, 260, 265. That's what you want your depth guys to look like. And I feel like, in general, recently, a lot of the depth guys Miami's had on the defensive line have been undersized, which makes it, number one, hard to play them, and also just makes them somewhat ineffective when they do play. So I like, you know, if Cole is a depth guy, Maybe he turns into a starter, uh, but if he is a depth guy, he is a depth guy that looks the part, and to me, that matters. All right, let's stick with recruiting, and, and let's touch on some of the expected recruits, expected visitors for this Louisville game, which is the last home game of the season for the Miami Hurricanes. So who are some of the names that the fans should be aware of, Gabby?
2: Yeah, I think two of the biggest names who are, are certainly going to be at Hard Rock Stadium on Saturday are uh, five-star defensive lineman L.J. McCray and his teammate and, you know, fellow top Miami targets, uh, Xavier Mincy. Uh, I think those two definitely headlined, uh, you know, the the visitors list. I think those are obviously two top-of-the-board type of targets Miami battled for L.J. McCray down, down to the wires, obviously still battling for him and still kind of alive in that recruitment with him coming down. He committed to Florida uh last uh, late last month uh Miami felt like they were really really in in that recruitment at the at the tail end of it so let's see how this thing goes he was at Florida State last weekend so was Xavier Mincy uh so Xavier Mincy of course is one of the top cornerback targets uh, uh on the board and Miami has he definitely has some momentum in that recruitment right now so uh those are two that I'm keeping a, a close eye on as far as just like you know big big you know targets and you know important situations to kind of keep track of uh, another one, I'm still kind of, you know, I'm kind of figuring out if it's going to happen or not. And I think it's contingent on kind of how that Friday night playoff game goes is uh Florida linebacker commit Darius Hayes. Uh, the plan was for him to get down to this Louisville game, but with high school currently in playoff and obviously kids playing on Friday nights, uh, it's a quick turnaround, especially with Miami having a noon kick. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think it's just depending on whether they wake up wanting to kind of make the drive down to hard rock stadium or not. Uh, so that's kind of one that's still sort of up in the air, but I think, uh, you know, obviously the, the Avenue is there for that visit to happen. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of keep you guys in a loop on that one, just as it kind of goes on. And then I think two pretty interesting uh, visitors expected in, in, this class of 2024, uh, Florida state commit and safety uh, CJ heard out of Atlanta, Woodward Academy, uh, so he's someone that Miami's been kicking the the tires on. From what I understand, he actually visited sometime in June. Uh, that was obviously kept kind of quiet. Um, so I think that Miami has kind of had him around before. I don't think they've had like a live uh, evaluation as far as watching him play, but I know that they've kind of seen him in person and hosted him. So uh, Miami's obviously looking for another safety. Uh, just trying to add to that safety room and. Heard is a pretty interesting name to, to sort of track from this point on. And then the other is a name I, I brought up a few weeks ago. I think it was right after the LG McRae uh, committed to Florida. Uh, you know, Kendall Jackson, the Gainesville native out of Buchholz over there, is a guy that Miami really liked this summer. They had him down for an official visit, got him down for a few unofficial visits, and uh, he there he's going to get back down for a game day. Uh, so I think Kendall Jackson is is another really interesting situation to kind of monitor that I think is you know obviously picking up some momentum but we'll see where it goes from here but those are a few of the the top names that I'm tracking right now for this visit weekend and you know you never you never know who sh- who shows up and I wouldn't be surprised if some some more big time names or you know important relevant names are also at Hard Rock Stadium on Saturday with a, a top 10 opponent in town.
1: Let me ask you this too cuz a lot of Florida Gator commits names to know, right? And they yeah. have They've had some tough times here this week uh, on the recruiting trail. They have, what, is it three decommits and then one kind of like picking up crystal ball projections elsewhere. seems like they're getting
2: kind of torn apart right now.
1: It looks like, I mean, look, there's still two games to go, but it looks like it's going to be tough for them to make a bowl game. Um, And look, who do they play?
2: Who, Who does Florida have to close the season?
1: Missouri and Florida State. Yeah, that's tough. So, um, you know, look, LJ McCray just committed to Florida and, you know, I think it's fair to say Miami was probably number two. Um, I guess it, is this the reason like Florida's class kind of falling apart. Cause they were a top three class, right. Uh, before this week. Yeah. Is this just, you know, they're getting picked apart by everyone and Miami's doing their part, trying to do their part as well with L.J. McRae and Darius Hayes in particular?
2: I think both those guys were obviously guys that they've been recruiting for a long time, but I think it's clear that there's a window, right? I think a lot of these Florida commits are kind of looking around and seeing what's going on. And uh, there's obviously – there's something going on in Gainesville. And, you know, obviously Jamont Waller flips to Auburn – uh, Nasir Johnson, their top defensive tackle commit, was like the top hundred player, just flipped Georgia. Uh, Amaris Williams, who's another top ranked defensive lineman, he's he's picking up Ohio State Crystal Balls. Uh, you know they're worried about a safety commit who could go to Texas or maybe even USC, from what I understand. And they got L.J. McRae taking visits, fresh off of a of a of a commitment with Florida State, Miami, and I think you know I, I was reading on, up on the Auburn side, like he could pull up to the Iron Bowl next weekend. So. I mean, you, you you probably don't feel super great about what's going on with LJ McCray either considering everything else going on. And then, you know, you got even a Darius Hayes who's definitely doing his homework. Apparently he visited ba- ba- uh, Alabama with LSU in town. So yeah, I mean, I think it's a good time to try to kind of make that extra push on some of these Florida commits. And like you said, David, Miami felt like, I, I do think that Miami was, a you know, number two. I mean, I guess, I think I think they're really in that top tier of, you know, finalists when it kind of came came down to it. And I think saying that they're number two is fair. Uh, So let's see what they can do this weekend. And again, I also think they're in a good spot with Xavier Mincy, his teammate and, you know, close friends who he's been visiting with. So I think this is a good time to try to capitalize on some of these uh, Florida commits. And again, Kendall Jackson's a guy that they liked a lot. Like they really wanted him over the summer. So if they can... I mean, there there there's a potential swing here if Miami can figure something out. Maybe you know, win a big game again against top ten opponent at home. Um, I, I think that could be a sort of statement to you know we're we're still headed the right way, and you guys kind of help take us over the top.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, look, we're not trying to go too deep into Florida, but it is interesting if right. they don't make a, a bowl game this year. Next year's schedule for Florida is absolutely brutal. They they play Miami at home, then they got Sanford, whatever. UCF at home, tough little non-con game. Uh, Then Georgia, of course, Florida State, of course, you know, still Kentucky, LSU, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Tennessee, and then Texas. So that is a brutal slate. And frankly, I mean, look, anything can happen. And especially now in the portal era, they could definitely add some guys that could change the trajectory of a program, but It's hard to project six wins, I think, with that schedule uh, for next year.
2: The holiday season is upon us, and Midway Sports is here to take care of all of your sporting good needs. Check out their wide range of selections for all your golf, pickleball, football, basketball, and baseball needs with a variety of -of top-of-the-line necessities and accessories to help you look and perform your best on the field of play. All of that located just a mile south of the University of Miami campus. Midway Sports is also there for all of your team uniform needs, whether that be your kids' little league team or your adult softball team. Tell them Gabby Rudia with Through the Smoke sent you, and they will take 30% off the price of of the cost of your uniform order.
1: Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later, and the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation, and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way.
2: Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They
1: even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698. Or email globalchoice-consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. Anyways, let's move on to this, this week's game Louisville at Miami, noon kick on ABC. Uh, Miami leads the all time series against Louisville uh, 11 and 3 and 1 tie. Uh, Miami has won the last two games by a comfortable margins in 2020 and 2019. Louisville has never beat Miami in Miami, which is interesting. Uh they did win a bowl game in the state of Florida against Miami in 2013, the Russell Athletic Bowl with That Teddy was Teddy Bridgewater, Bridgewater right? Yep. Yeah, yep, Teddy Bridgewater was their quarterback. Um Louisville this season is 9 and 1. With a win, they are in the ACC championship game against Florida State. With a loss, uh, you know, things kind of go up in the air. Uh, With North Carolina having a chance to maybe sneak in the back door, they still would have an ACC. So I think North Carolina has two more ACC games. If they win their game on Saturday, then they would have to win again in the final week of the season as well to get that done. Uh, but anyways Louisville controls its own destiny in terms of getting into the ACC championship game with a win on Saturday. Uh Louisville this year is 6 and 0 at home. They are 1 and 1 on the road and int- that's crazy to me too. They have they've only played twice in a true road environment. They have two neutral site games this year against Georgia Tech and Uh, Indiana, playing in the NFL stadiums that are nearby those programs. Uh, Their best win on the season is a 33-20 victory over Notre Dame in Louisville, and their one loss was a 38-21 loss at Pittsburgh. They are currently the number 10 overall team in the country, according to the college football playoff rankings. Um, Louisville's head coach, first year, uh, Jeff Brom. He played at Louisville, is a former quarterback. Um he is again, he's elevated things. They are 9 and 1, coming off an 8 and 5 showing last year under Scott Satterfield. He spent 6 years at Purdue prior to this stint at Louisville. He went 36 and 34 at Purdue. Prior to that, he was at Western Kentucky for 3 years and went 30 and 10 there. Offensive coordinator is Brian Brom, who is Jeff Brom's younger brother. Uh, he played against, he was a highly touted quarterback recruit, Gabby, big time guy back in the day, back like when I was in high school. Uh, he played at Louisville and played against Miami in a 2004 thriller that featured uh, number three Miami and number 18 Louisville. And in that game, Miami was down 24 to seven at halftime. And Miami stormed back in the second half, scored 34 points in the second half, including a game-changing punt return by Devin Hester. Stefan LaForce was the starter for Louisville in that game, but Brian Braun was a backup freshman hotshot type of guy. He, he came in and, you know, got some backup duties in that game. Uh, but looking back at that game, Gabby, you talk about the standard of players it takes for Miami to be big time. That team was still, you know, compared to the 2002, 2001 team, it was on the down, down downslide, right? But they was still a very good team, uh, featured Frank Gore, Greg Olson, Roscoe Parrish, Antrell Roll, Devin Hester, Eric Winston, John Beeson, Kelly Jennings, uh, Brandon Merriweather. So that's the standard. That's what it has to look like to go, you know, essentially be a top 10 program in the country. Um, And a young David Lake was in the stands for that game. It was definitely a fun game. Uh, Anyways, Jeff and Brian kind of handled the offensive duties together in lockstep. Louisville is the 28th offense in the country in terms of yards per game, 439 yards per game. 31st in the country in scoring offense, 32.7 points per game. Uh, They are averaging 6.2 yards per play, which is 24th in the country. On third down, they're honestly not. It's like their weird outlier stat for their offense this year because they're pretty good in most categories. But on third down, they're only converting 36.5%, which is 89th in the country. They're also 87th in the country in red zone touchdown percentage at 55%. Overall, they're they're pretty explosive and pretty efficient on offense, uh, which is weird that they are no good at third down success. Uh, defensive coordinator is a kind of a co-defensive coordinator. It's an interesting situation that Jeff Brom does. So he has co-defensive coordinators in Ron English, who handles the DBs, and Mark Hagan, who's kind of the, the front seven-ish type of guy. Um, so they kind of ha- uh, share those duties, but really, uh, Jeff Brom has a big hand in the type of defense that Louisville runs. And Jeff Brom wants them to run an aggressive attacking approach. The cornerbacks will challenge routes whether it is man or zone coverage. I feel like for the most part Gabby they will they play mostly man, but they definitely mix in some zone. They're allowing 300 yards per game, which is the second best in the ACC. 17.1 points per game allowed, which is the best in the ACC. Their run defense is second best in the conference behind Miami at 91 yards per game on the ground. They're efficient against the run and pass. They're very good in particular at containing explosive runs, and they are top 40 in the country in containing explosive passes. So that's kind of the coaching setup for the game. Let's get into the personnel. And Gabby, I know you watched plenty of Louisville in preparation for this podcast. So let's get into it, and let's start with their quarterback, Jack. Plummer, who is a transfer, uh six-year guy. He has played in three schools in three years. Uh, he played with Jeff Braum back at Purdue. Uh, they had a quarterback that was coming back last year. So Jack Plummer went to Cal to get an opportunity to start there. And then when Jeff Braum took the Louisville job, Jack Plummer came back to Jeff Braum at Louisville. So he's an experienced guy, um, pocket passer, He's having the best season of his college career this year. Mm-hmm. What are, what are your thoughts on him after watching him some, uh, you know, lead that Louisville offense?
2: Yeah, I, I think he's just kind of like a veteran kind of game manager type. Uh, you know, I think that they kind of keep everything. Uh, you know, I, I think they really kind of prioritize that kind of short to intermediate type of passing game. They will definitely take their shots, uh, you know, when when they're kind of there. But I feel like just in general, that offense is kind of just like run, like run to set up the pass. And I think when yes. they pass it, it's a lot of just like, you know, I think they'll take some of those man opportunities and give guys an opportunity to go downfield and make plays. But I feel like, uh, I think, especially after that pit game, I think they kind of tightened things up and started to really work that, you know, 10 to sort of like, I don't know, seven to like 15 kind of yard range where Jack, where Jack Plummer is maybe, maybe more comfortable and he can just be more efficient, kind of keep that completion percentage high and not ask him to do too much uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's, you know, again, just kind of an older guy that, you know, I'm not sure has much of an NFL future or anything like that. But uh I think he's a I think he's a good to, you know, OK, to to average, maybe a little bit above average college quarterback um that obviously has experience. And, uh, you know, can what I think he's susceptible to kind of turning the ball over, making like, you know, maybe some questionable throws um that you know again against Virginia just kind of placed it right into the hands of a you know linebacker Cam Robinson he was able to return that for a touchdown it just seemed like you know bad read bad decision and I know at times he's kind of struggled with uh you know those types of of throws but I think for the most part he's that game manager type who tries to Mm -hmm. protect the ball and and kind of chop down the field and kind of let that running room that running back room be kind of opens make things a little bit more open in that passing game
1: Yeah, he's definitely a game manager. He's definitely a pocket passer. He's not a statue, I wouldn't say, but he's not, you know, he doesn't necessarily scare you with his legs all that much. Um, To me, Gabby, like, I mean, this is weird to say maybe, but like to me, like if we're going to project Emery Williams, like I could see maybe three years down the road, it kind of looks like Jack Plummer a little bit. You know, there's differences. But just in terms of physical traits, I think there's similarities there. Um, and you're right. It, it kind of does all start with the run game with Louisville. So let's get into that. They're, of course, led by Jawar Jordan, who is second in the ACC in rushing this year. He has 976 yards and 11 touchdowns coming into this game. Um, he is only behind omarion Hampton of North Carolina in the ACC and rushing yards. And we saw what O'Marion Hampton did to Miami, nearly going for 200 in that game. Uh, they also have a, a good backup running back in Isaac Garendo, who is a Wisconsin transfer, 492 yards on the ground this year, seven touchdowns. He brings more size. He's like a six foot 220 guy, whereas Jordan's kind of a speedy guy, more of a 510, 180 type of running back. Um, Let's get into those two guys. Let's start with Jawar. What stands out to you about him?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, he's just kind of got that game changing ability. Like he's that guy that, uh, you know, can, I think he has enough speed to kind of beat you to the edge and, and beat you out there. I think he has the ability to obviously catch the football out of the backfield. And, uh, you know, I think that he just, he can he can kind of absorb contact and he can kind of like have that sort of yak. Uh, that kind of guts you Um, you know I think that Louisville offensive line also does a good job just kind of creating kind of creases for him but he just I feel like he has really good vision Uh, I feel like he finds I feel like he always just kind of makes that play for them and he, again he has that kind of home run potential I think both of them have that home run potential they're both really good at just kind of creating some of those big plays but Jawar Jordan is I mean he's a really really good co- college running back and uh, watching him on tape, I mean, it seems like he can kind of do a little bit of everything and he can absolutely beat you. Like he's a guy that you need to kind of wrap up. You need to be really physical with, cause he can kind of be slippery and, and, and go and and really just kind of take the top off things.
1: Yeah. I think you got to, a lot of times it's a race to the edge with him. Yeah. And you also got to watch those cutbacks too, because he, like you said, he has very good vision. And all he needs is a tiny decrease, and, and he will explode through it. So he's averaging 6.9 yards per carry this year. And he's he's def- he's run for 100 yards, I don't know, in maybe five games this year. And a couple other times, he's run for 90, I think. So he's the real deal at the college level. Um, and and Garendo's a very good number two running back. So uh, he's he's big, but he also has some speed to him as well. Um, and then their, their top receiver Gabby, you know, they, they do a good job of kind of peppering it around for the most part to different receivers, but it's clear who their top target is, uh, in Jamari thrash, who is a Georgia state transfer, uh, this year he has 734 yards at Louisville, six touchdowns to go with that, uh, averaging 15 yards per catch last year at Georgia state thrash. Uh, ripped up Marshall's defense, Lance Gidry's Marshall defense. I think he had like 160 yards or so in that game against the Thundering Herd. So, Lance Gidry is well aware of Jamari Thrash. What's saying about him? To me, he sounds like he seems like a guy that will eat up man coverage and can, you know, it seems like him and Jack Plummer are. On the same page a lot of times on those hitch routes, those ten yard yeah. hitches, um, they execute that really nicely. What what did, did you notice about Shamari Thrash when you were watching Louisville?
2: Yeah, I I just think he's a a really good kind of college wide receiver, and he's a receiver that I mean Miami really wanted Jamar Thrash as a transfer last year, and you know obviously he landed at Louisville, but uh, you know he's a guy Remind that. Remind me, did he visit? No, he didn't. I think they okay. wanted it. I think they were trying to get it done. But I mean, Louisville got it done, uh, kind of shut that thing down. But Miami really wanted him and, and liked him and, and saw a lot in him. And obviously, you know, again, uh, he had a really, really good year at Georgia State, and he's having a really good year. And he, he's kind of dealing with some injuries too, right? Like he's m- kind of missed maybe mm-hmm. some time or is just kind of na- dealing with some nagging stuff. Um, uh, yes. but yeah, he's definitely a guy that can win in man coverage. Uh, you know, he, I think he's a good, I think he's a good route runner. You mentioned those hitches. He catches a ton of those. And again, I think that's a big part of that kind of sh- like, you know, intermediate passing game though. They'll, they'll look to thrash a lot. Uh, he he's caught like way more passes than like the next, I think he has like, if I mean, I don't have, I'm not staring at he it. He has 49. Guy. Yeah. 49 catches on the year. And I think the next, I think there 19. I think there's a bunch of guys. Yeah. It's like in that 17 to 19 to maybe 20 range. So he's definitely their go-to pass catcher. Uh, on the outside has the ability to beat you vertically again in man coverage when some of those you know those balls deep and also just again just kind of just be crisp and uh, I I, I like him a lot and watching him on tape he's he's a very very talented dude
1: how about their offensive line anything stand out about them yeah I I
2: think they do a good job in that running game like I don't think I mean I think they're pretty good offensive line like I think it's a good offensive line truthfully I don't know how they rebuilt it David you might know more than me. I don't know if that was a big part of that transfer hall or if some of those guys were there. Um, but it seem to me, it seems like that's a good offensive line. And I think they do enough in the run game to, you know, again give uh Juar Jordan and uh and the, the backup some some really good holes, some really good opportunities to kind of create, you know, just running into some some good situations where uh, you know, they allow, I think they do a good job sealing the edge for Juar Jordan sometimes too, where you'll see like, he obviously runs out there a lot, but you'll see them kind of, you know, crease it up nicely. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, a good run blocking offensive line. I think as far as just like pass pro, like I think Miami's uh off, I think Miami's defensive line could, you know, potentially have an advantage there. And I think that that's where Miami has to try to win, but I, I think it's going to be a really, I think it's going to be a, an interesting challenge just watching to see how Miami kind of, uh, you know, kind of goes after them just in that run game. Cause I do think they do a good job of blocking it up.
1: Yeah. Much like Miami, they have a really good center and, and Brian Hudson, who's a veteran guy. He started his career at Virginia tech. He transferred to Louisville in 2021. And he just kind of gets everything organized and set like Matt Lee does for Miami. And uh, I agree They they're a solid, good offensive line. Um, they get the job done. So uh they will pose a nice little challenge how about the defense gabby um they're definitely aggressive they yeah. definitely play fast and downhill um let's start with their defensive front what stands out to you about their front or who stands out
2: yeah i mean that that front is salty man i mean that i think that defense is what's probably more impressive, uh, you know, at times. Like, to me, that defense is, is really, really good, especially in the ACC. Uh, Ashton G- uh, G- Gileotti, I don't know exactly how to say the last name, uh, but he's, I mean, he's just like kind of constantly making plays. them. So, I, mean, I think he has like 10 sacks on the year. The tax for the loss mm-hmm. numbers I'm sure are good to I didn't pull up the PFF, but just watching him, it's just like, wow, that's clearly their guy. Uh, he does a really, really good job uh, off the edge for them. So uh, like him a lot, he's, he he's, very, he's very, he's very di- Sheesh. Year. Okay. Yeah. It seems like it just watching him. He's, he's a really, really good, like just edge rusher. Like he, he pops off like immediately. Um, a couple of, like maybe the more interior guys, a couple that stand out. Jared Dawson, he wears number 93. I think he does a good job for them along the interior. And Jermaine Lowley, uh, I think he's a, another interior guy that does a good job. And then Mason Rieger is another is another one that just kind of stood out to me on that defensive line. I think those guys are good, man. Like that that Louisville defensive front is is impressive to me. I think it's one of the more impressive that we've seen. Like I think NC State was really good. Um I, I think this Louisville defensive front is is very, very talented.
1: Yeah. They play hard. And yeah.
2: Well coached and I feel like they're just I feel like they're just good. Like, man, that that's a good defense.
1: One interesting thing about Ashton is he's from Boca Raton. So Oof. South Florida guy. He's he's that 6'3", 270 hundred and seventy pound D lineman that can play, you know, a little inside and also on the edge. Kind of like an Akeem Mesador ish type. Um and yeah, he kinda sets the tone for them with his ability to rush the passer he's also forced three fumbles um as a pass rusher so he's a big time player how about their back seven what stands out to you about them because they they trust their corners to play on islands yeah. for the most part and uh you know i think their linebackers for the for the most part play fast and, and physical and downhill as well
2: yeah, TJ Quinn, I think, is the guy that kind of leads them in in tackles, right? Like I think he does a really good job for them. One of the guys that, you know, again, just watching them just kind of constantly stood out is Devin Neal. Um, he's a guy that kind of plays in that secondary. I believe he's just one of the he's one of their safeties. Um, you know, he does I think he does a really good job. He leads the team in interceptions. He made a he made a he made he makes just kind of a lot of plays. And that's it, it's a secondary that that creates a lot of turnovers. I think that they I, I when I was I was watching one of the games I believe it was a Virginia game that they I think they led the ACC in in turnovers like or just takeaways um you know that you know that secondary so I think there's a lot of guys that do a good job Jarvis Brownlee's guy I, I think he's still injured do you know his status David I, I didn't check it out before I, I know his he, status they I know that he say, was but yeah he hasn't played
1: for a while he so. hasn't played for
2: a little bit um I think you know they they have Storm Duck out there who you know has spent time at North Carolina. He's a guy Miami seen before, you know, transferred to Penn State and then quickly transferred to um, Louisville. Uh, they have another cornerback uh, with last name Riley that I think does a good job Quincy. for them too. Quincy Riley, I think he's
1: their best one. Yeah,
2: he's really really good. I I like Riley and and I think Storm Duck does an okay job too. So yeah, I think it's it's a strong secondary and they definitely play a lot of man and and they def- and they trust those guys and they let that. That, I feel like that front and I feel like about that front I feel like it's like the way that they kind of drop the pressures is different right like I feel like they kind of have like that stand-up edge rusher uh who can be uh you know Gelati or or someone one of these other guys and you know I feel like the way that they kind of the the way the all the looks that they kind of give you and how they kind of um you know disguise even some of the dropbacks the pressures I think is is pretty creative so I think it, it was a fun defense to kind of watch on tape and and uh you know again I think it's I think it's I think they're really good on that on that side of the ball
1: Quincy Riley, who's number three, their corner, he looks like an NFL guy to me. Um, He's been targeted 42 times this year, allowed only 14 receptions, and he's allowed only 42 yards after catch on the season. So he gets it done in coverage. I would imagine, again, I I don't... We all know Tyler struggles against uh, zone coverages this year, but to me, like, Louisville's corners are are good and man. So I would be surprised if they switch up their identity. Now they're going to throw zone looks. Definitely. I mean, they do, they play some matchup zones as it is. Um, but I just think it's going to be uh one-on-one battles between Miami's receivers on the outside and Louisville's DBs. How about um, special teams? Anything stand out to you about them at all?
2: Yeah, I think just uh, I think it seems like they're pretty aggressive about just kind of especially like just in the pump, like that pump, that pump blocking deal. Like I think against Virginia, they blocked a punt that they obviously blocked it in the end zone. But I feel like it just watching that game, it seemed like they got really, really close to blocking it like three times before that. And then they finally kind of got to the football. So it seems like they're just, you know, I think that they do, they do a good job there. Uh, field goal kicker, I believe he's like 14 of 20 um, mm-hmm. on the year. So he's like a seventy. 70- a 70% guy has missed an extra point this season. I'm not sure if it was blocked or if he just missed. Um but I think he was perfect between like I think it was like 20 to 29 he's perfect and then as it gets obviously a little bit further uh he's been a little bit less accurate. So uh I, I think he's a guy that, you know, can potentially miss a field goal. I don't know. Um In the return then, phase they're
1: just solid. Like yeah, I don't know. I mean Kevin, Col- Kevin Coleman the,
2: Kevin Coleman is the Kevin Coleman's a punt returner. That's a name that should sound Pretty familiar to Miami fans if you were paying attention during those first few weeks of the Mario Cristobal era because Miami really wanted him, almost got him, and then he kind of surprised everyone and committed to Jackson State at the All-American Bowl.
1: Right, and then he transferred to Louisville. And then he
2: transferred to Louisville, and he's like playing kind of like slot for them, right?
1: Right, so uh, Louisville's a good team, and uh, they will present an interesting challenge on Saturday, so... Let's take a break, and on the other side, we'll get into this matchup from a Miami perspective.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.
1: all right gabby you know the drill yep we let's talk about this game from a miami perspective and some things we'd like to see the hurricanes accomplish against louisville at noon
2: yeah nooner nooner at hard rock stadium uh i don't know if it's gonna be too hot it hasn't been too hot hopefully it's not raining because the weather here has not been super great but anyways um I think obviously for me, just the first thing that I think Miami has to do, uh, which they've done well for the most part of the season. But again, kind of go back to that North Carolina game when you saw Mario Hampton, they, the running game for them kind of popped off, but I think really you got to, you got to do your best to limit that, uh, that Louisville running game because, you know, they're averaging over 187 yards per game. Again, that Juar Jordan and Isaac uh Guernardo, I don't know how to say that. Uh, they do just a great job of, of just, you know, pound in the rock. And I think if Miami wants to beat Louisville, if they want to upset number nine Louisville, uh, I think the path to that is just limiting that running game and kind of kind of making Jack Plummer be the one that kind of beats you. I think that would be obviously ideal, but that's, ob- that's a tall task. So to me, one thing I want to see, you got to kind of try to p- find a way to stop that running game. Obviously, David, like you mentioned, Miami has the best run defense in the ACC versus one of the best running games in the ACC. So that'll be a nice little clash of strengths. Um, I Big that...
1: too, like if Miami can't stop the run, they don't really have a chance
2: to no, win. The they, game. They, they won't win this game.
1: And, and Louisville comes at like this, this Jeff Brom offense comes at you in the run game in multiple ways. They come at you with eye formation, which we never see. They come at you with pistol. They come at you with speed option out of the shotgun. They will even go empty set and run Jack Plummer a little bit on some QB run every now and then, just to keep you honest. So uh, they come at you a lot of different ways in the run game. And, And I agree that is the number one key in this game for Miami is make them one dimensional.
2: Yeah. And then, you know, of course, if Miami's going to have any chance at winning this game, we have to see a clean Tyler Van Dyke game. Obviously I think that's what I and everyone that is affiliated uh, cares about associated with Miami Hurricanes football wants to see Tyler Van Dyke play a, you know, clean turnover free game um, or at least limit the turnovers again, Louisville uh, that secondary is one of the best in the conference at generating turnovers And Tyler Van Dyke is obviously very turnover, um, I don't know, turnover heavy right now. Pro, that's the word I was looking for.
1: Man coverage, I mean, that plays, that helps a little bit. Yeah. Um, And look, one thing I thought about too, Gabby, and, and you know, I think in some ways it makes sense to name him the starter this week. And look, I do think a healthy, confident Tyler gives Miami the best chance to win. But also I think it's fair to say maybe this is the last game uh, at Hard Rock Stadium for Tyler, right? Ooh, like yeah. this, this kind of could be the last hurrah. I think it's, I think it's best for both parties to maybe go their separate ways after the season. And so this is, this is his last opportunity to show out at, at home at Hard Rock Stadium. And I'm just hoping that Tyler goes out and cuts it loose, plays confident. Um, because if that's the case, if Miami gets a B version of Tyler, I honestly, I, I think they're going to win the game. So let's see if, if, you know, hopefully he comes out in what is potentially his last game at Hard Rock Stadium and uh, has a nice performance.
2: Yeah, that would be nice. I think that'd be nice for everyone. Uh, Last thing for me, David, uh, I think it's important that, again, we talked about that Louisville defensive front. I think they're really impressive. I think it's important that Miami wins that line of scrimmage battle, obviously on both sides of the ball, but just more specifically on the offensive side, Uh, you know, kind of, again, you were talking about man coverage, you know, they're probably going to be you know, if if they decide to kind of bring that pressure, which again, that's where Tyler Van Dyke strives, and then just, just even yeah, in the running game
1: against pressure,
2: and then Miami, uh, you know, be just being able to run the ball too. Like, again, that I think it's a pretty salty, uh, Louisville defense, also. Um, so I think it's really important that a Miami, the offensive line, wins the line of scrimmage battle, um, to give that offense a chance to run the ball, be balanced, and hopefully Tyler Van Dyke, uh, you know, some opportunities to to make plays downfield. So those are the three things I listed, David, and uh, you know, obviously want to hear yours.
1: Yeah, so I'll add cuz I agree with those those first two you mentioned and I'll add you know Jack Plummer, uh the Louisville quarterback, he's not good at all against pressure. Like most quarterbacks, you know, are worse, their numbers are worse against pressure, but his really drop off. And uh so you look at his pressure numbers according to Pro Football Focus, he's completing 41% of his passes against pressure when pressured. Uh, 5.8 yards per attempt when pressured, two touchdowns, three interceptions when pressures, and, he, and he's been sacked 16 times uh, on those pressures. So, um, you know, Jack Plummer's fine when he's in rhythm. He's fine when he's able to pass off of play action that you have to respect. But I do think in obvious passing situations, and I do think when defenses dial up timely pressures, which... Lance Guidry has shown to be very good at Uh, Jack Plummer kind of struggles to either make the right decision or, you know, find the open man. So I think that is a big key going into this game. How about a matchup we like from the Miami standpoint going into the game?
2: Yeah, uh, honestly, kind of along the same lines. I wrote down, I think Miami's defensive line against just that Louisville, like, you know, in that past pro, I think that they can generate pressure. I think they've done a great job of just generating pressure all season long um you know again they I think they've kind of had to deal with some you know maybe I I guess last week you know dealing with a slippery Jordan Travis, but I thought they did a really good job of of kind of rattling him up a little bit just making him a little bit uncomfortable and uh Jack Plummer again obviously not like a total statue but not the most athletic type of guy and I think that they can make things uh pretty complicated for for Jack Plummer uh in the pocket so uh you know I'm I'm pretty pretty encouraged about what Miami can potentially do to make things uh you know a little steamy for for Jack Plummer on Saturday.
1: I agree, and I'll say on the other side of the ball. I I like how Miami's offensive line matches up against their front. Now, they will Louisville will um you you need to communicate uh in terms of handling Louisville's various pressure packages, but I do think Miami can line up and go at Louisville's front seven from a size standpoint. So we'll see if Miami can push them around just a little bit. I think they can, but we'll see how that matchup goes. How about a matchup to keep an eye on?
2: Yeah. To me, it's just the Louisville running backs, uh, you know, that Miami front seven, just how is Miami going to be able to kind of contain it uh, fit it up, uh, you know, to make sure that they're, you know, limiting that production from what is a really good room. So Uh, I have my eyes on, on Miami against those Louisville backs. And, you know, especially that line, those, the linebackers and how they're going to kind of, you know, be physical and and get those guys on the ground versus letting them kind of break free and, you know, have some of those performances we've seen from them in the past.
1: To me, it's about limiting the explosives from those running backs. Because Louisville is like top five in 30 plus yard runs this year. And I'll admit I am a little concerned just from a speed factor of Jawar Jordan versus even Francisco Maui Noah and Corey Flagg. Cause look, I, I think Francisco is good uh, between the tackles, but I do think things get a little dicey at times, um, you know, when he's got go to go sideline to sideline a little bit and deal with an athletic running back in space. Um, but again, it, it's about just, Knowing where your help is at on defense and and forcing Jawar back into the teeth of the defense if if he does catch you out of position if that makes sense so Francisco and Corey in particular I'm kind of worried about the speed element versus Jawar Jordan how about a player that needs to step up
2: You're just like you're just setting it up for me player that needs to step up I wrote Kiko Maunoa. Uh, you know, he obviously had a good game against Florida state, but like, you know, this is a game that he's, he's going to have to really kind of elevate that. And you talk about the speed to the outside, to the edges. I think, uh, you know, if he's someone that has a good game and if he's efficient at, you know, to, you know, limiting those running backs, I think he had, I think he has a chance to be a major, major difference maker in this one. So uh, Kiko Mauno is the name I wrote down as, as a player that needs to step up.
1: I'll go Tyler for obvious reasons. Yeah. Attention business owners. Have you filed for the employee retention credit? Do the latest IRS releases have you concerned about your filing? Are you seeking clarity on your employee retention tax credit filing? If you've done your employee retention tax credit filing to a third party and have reservations about its accuracy, turn to the experts at Mooserino FURDOC PLLC.
2: Their team of experienced tax professionals will conduct a a meticulous assessment of your filing, ensuring it adheres to all relevant regulations and guidelines. Their rigorous evaluation process will leave no stone unturned, providing you with a comprehensive analysis of your employee retention tax credit submission. There's no hidden fees. They're here to help business owners who may have fallen victim to a third-party scheme.
1: Seek certainty in a complex landscape. Call Musserino Furdock, P-L-L-C, at 561-437-0414, or visit com. That's M-U-C-E-R-I-N-O-F-U-R-D-O-C-K.com. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at Torres Lionel One, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. Potential player of the game. I said Kiko.
2: Yeah, so that's, I wrote, I, I, did both. I did player that okay. needs to step up. I, I put Kiko for for both as the potential player of the game. So I think this is a big Kiko Maunao game, and I'm glad
1: we're on the same page there. So I made these questions up, just hypothetical questions, yes or no answers. So let's get into it before we get into our prediction and discuss the betting line, et cetera, et cetera. Does Tyler Van Dyke finish the game? So we know he's going to start. Does he finish the game?
2: Yes, I think he finishes the game.
1: I agree. Does Louisville feature a 100-yard rusher in the game?
2: I, I think so. I think that right now I'm, I'm going yes.
1: They have had... So they've had a 100-yard rusher in six of their games, and in two of their games, they've had 90-yard rushers. So essentially in eight of their yeah. 10 games they've had a hundy or very close to a hundy for some reason i'm gonna say no Ooh.
2: that's a big <laughs> that's a big sign i think i think i see where your your mind's trending right now david i I, I, th- I think i like where this is going
1: does miami run for more yards than louisville
2: no i don't think so
1: i'm gonna say yes
2: okay all right
1: i love it betting lines so Louisville's a top ten team, but Miami is favored by half a point. Do you and agree with both... that? Um, look, I think both. Te- I, I think it's a very interesting matchup, and you know we've talked about strength on strength. To me, the only difference between the two teams, like on paper, I think it is close. Uh, but like I think Louisville's a confident team right now, and Miami's, you know been up and down all season so that confidence factor definitely matters um but on paper just matches matchups i i could i do think it's a toss-upy type of game i think it's fair so the over under 46 and a half let's get into the score prediction what do you think
2: yeah and and to to your point i don't think that there's a very big talent gap between these rosters or like any sort of talent gap at all. Like I think Miami, I think Miami and Louisville are both talented teams, but again, I don't think just like, you know, pound for pound, Louisville's just like a way, way better. And that's why this line, I'm, I'm not, I'm kind of surprised to see Miami favored, but like I do think it's just like a game that can kind of go either way. Um, where my head kind of just goes one is just, you know, it's late in the season, you know, they've kind of, they've already dropped two in November, uh, how's this team going to kind of come out and respond? Uh, Tyler Van Dyke has obviously been it's hard for me to kind of put my eggs in in that basket as far as trusting him to lead this team and be efficient and uh, not, you know, kind of shoot himself in the foot the team in the foot by, you know, throwing some questionable passes. Uh, Louisville, like you, you said it earlier in the show, Louisville, if Louisville wins this game, they're going to the AC championship game. Uh, yep. So that's obviously like a lot to play for. There's a lot on the line for Louisville. And they're probably going to play in the AC championship game anyways. Like, I don't know how tight that race is just because I kind of tapped out of that, David. But it seems like Louisville's the most likely, um, yes. you know, obviously opponent for Florida State. But locking that up is a really big deal, especially in Jeff Brom's first year. Um, you know, I just I, 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 I'm i I'm having trouble. I can obviously see a Miami winning this game. I could see a path to victory for Miami. I just don't. I just don't see it right now. Like I don't feel good about good enough about it to kind of pick them to win. I do think it's going to be a close game. Uh, so give me half a point, give me Louisville and half the point. Um, I'll take the over, uh, over 46 and a half and, uh, I'm going 20 Louisville, 28 Miami, 23 at hard rock stadium.
1: All right. So this is a big opportunity. You talk about the opportunity for Louisville, no doubt ACC championship, game birth on the line just to clinch it uh on the on the Miami side i think it's a big game too for mario cristobal and this era because look whether you believe whether you believe louisville is really a top 10 team or not in terms of just what they are they're a top 10 team yeah and beating a top 10 team is something this regime i think could puff their chest out About, I think, um, you know, look, I do think Louisville is, they're good, don't get me wrong. And they've definitely played better and look better than Miami this season. But they have benefited from a pretty pretty easy schedule, if you look at it. I went and looked at the top 40 units on offense and defense that Louisville was played against this year. Um, They have played... An NC State, top 20 defense. So Notre Dame, who they did beat, by the way, and they deserve all the credit for that. They beat a Notre Dame team that is top 20 on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. Duke is top 30 on defense. And that's it. So they've beaten up on a lot of average to bad teams. Uh, now they've done it, and the schedule is what the schedule is. Um, but are they really a top 10 team? that's where that line of a half a point favorite is interesting, right?
2: And I don't think, and we were talking earlier, I don't think that they're like a top, like, I don't think that is a top, I don't think that's what a top 10 team looks like, you know, just again, they are that because that's what they're, that's what they've done. But I don't think that they would be favored against only, you know, or or like they, like a lot, there's a lot of like middle, like, you know, teams
1: that like, they're not a team that should be ranked. Yeah, for sure. And they, you know, but if you're a if you were, if you were power, if you're if you're power rating it, being ranked, yeah.
2: And if you're power rating it, I'm just saying you wouldn't like put Louisville as like a top, like it's the number nine team in the country. At least I don't think so.
1: Right. And look, it's an opportunity for Miami slash Mario Cristobal to go beat a top ten team. And do you remember the last time Miami beat a top ten team?
2: As was that Notre Dame in 2017? Bingo. Notre
1: Dame. So Notre Dame was number three in the country. Uh, Since then, here's the top 10 teams Miami has played and lost to. Clemson in that ACC championship game in 2017. Clemson was number one. Then in the Orange Bowl, Wisconsin was number six. 2018, they didn't play against any top 10 teams at that time. Uh, 2019, they opened the season against number eight, Florida. 2020, Number one, they, they played number one, Clemson. 2021, they opened against number one, Alabama. And last year, they played number nine, Clemson, at Hard Rock. So this is a huge opportunity. Look, we've talked about how this season has, you know, look, I while I do think Miami's on the right track, and you can see the year-over-year progress, like it is obvious, this year's team would dominate last year's team in a matchup on the field. Um, But the end of season record doesn't necessarily reflect to me how much better this team is. You got to be at a top 10 team. Even if it's somewhat fraudy, you can still show recruits, hey, we beat a top 10 team. Things are on the right track. We corrected course at the end of the season. Let's keep this thing rolling. So with all that in mind, I'm keeping it positive. Miami twenty-seven, Louisville twenty-four. Oof, let's they, go. They get it done. First top ten win since twenty seventeen. I think Miami does good enough. I think they're gonna stop the run. Goodness, now they're watch, they're gonna run for three hundred. Uh, no,
2: no. Let Let's not let's not speak that into existence.
1: I honestly too. I. I. I think there's a chance where Tyler Van Dyke has a pretty good day. So let's see, man. If those two things happen, Miami's going to win.
2: Let's go. I'm with it. And I don't disagree. I, I, I definitely don't disagree.
1: So I just right. got to
2: see it's, it's got to play out on the grass, man.
1: We'll see. It's a big game. It, it really is a big game. And look, eight and four is. is still on the table for this team in the regular season. 100%. Um, which, you know, I think qualifies as a pretty good year at the end of the day. So yeah. we'll see how it plays out. It'll be interesting. I think it's, you know, nice little new game. And uh, we will see how it plays out. We Ma- will Mario have...
2: Cristobal said he likes the new
1: So does David Lake. So we so does... will... I think we all do. We will react and cover the game. Gabby will be all over it in terms of which recruits show up.